And who do you think has the good life? This series is called Life because everyone is looking for that good life. Right? None of us are looking for a bad life. Right? None of us are saying, well, this is my goal for 2021. Right? It's a new year. I just wish my life would get worse. No, no, no. All of us, we're seeking this good life, this abundant life, this complete life, this full life. And if I could just get it, right, we would pay whatever cost it takes to get this good life. Right? What are we? I've given this example before, but let me just uh, kind of push, push that point uh, stronger. Imagine you were going down a beach and you tripped over and you looked down at your foot and you found uh, that you tripped over a, a bottle. It looks like a, a lamp and you rub the lamp and up pops out a genie. And the genie says, oh, you know, I'm a genie. I've got powers, uh, but I'm going to make it different. I'm going to give you three uh, options and you get to pick one of these options. Right? The first option is this. You're going to be very wealthy, right? I want you to go to the next um, um, news agency you see, buy a scratchy, you're going to win you know, $10 million. And you can have all the money in the world and you can have all the possessions that you want, right? That house that you wanted, the car that you wanted, the second and third car that you wanted, the, the um, helicopter that you wanted and the boat that you wanted. You can get it all. But even though you're wealthy, you'll feel empty, right? Your life will not feel full even though you have all these things. That's the first option. The second option is that you can have success. Whatever you touch turns to gold, right? You're gonna start up a, a whole bunch of unicorn startups. Do you know that term, unicorn? Like, you, you'll be the next Uber, right? You'll be the next Apple, the, the biggest company, the most wealthiest company in the world, and have all the success. Everyone will know your name. When you walk into a room, everyone will turn and say, oh, that's so-and-so, right? Everyone will know about you and have that success, but, you'll feel empty. You won't feel full in life. Or the third option is this, that you won't have wealth. You'll be maybe poor or average. You won't have success, right? the things that you touch won't turn to gold. You won't be famous, but you will feel full in life, satisfied, right? content, joyful. Which of those three options would you choose? I think all of us, we would choose that full life. Right? That's what we want. And we will pay whatever it takes to get it. And so the question is, how do we get there? There's a lot of different theories we have. It's like we're trying to get to the same destination at the top of a mountain, and we're all going up different paths. Right? But how do we get there? Is that how it works? You just pick your path, the path that works for you, and we'll all get to the end at the end of the day. Right? These are the things I want to talk about today. You know, Jesus made some massive claims about the good life. Right? We're going to get there at the end. But I just, just want to let you know what he says is basically the good life is found in him. Right? That's his massive claim. He doesn't just say, I've got a few tips for you. Jot them down. He doesn't say, buy my book, the Bible. It's a bestseller, by the way. And you might learn a few things. No, he says he is key. He is crucial for your finding of that good life, for you to have that abundant life. Right, that's what we're going to find. He's essential to this. And so as we jump into this idea of life to the full, we're going to first talk about truth. Right, it seems a little bit different, but I want to talk about truth, and I'll explain why we're doing that in a moment. But as we do that, we're going to watch a video. So let's enjoy this video. Good for you. 
Nice to meet you. Let's uh, spend this first time talking about truth, right? It's, it's a little complicated, isn't it? Right, let's talk about the truth about truth. And we're talking about truth because uh, what you believe about truth is really foundational for us to then move on, right? It really comes down to this idea of, is there such a thing as absolute truth, right? Absolute truth is something that is true all the time, no matter where you are, right? No matter who you are, right? It's true all the time. That's what absolute truth is. And in society, as we've heard, absolute truth is, is not popular, right? It's under attack, right? And the opposite of that is called relativism. Everything is relative. There's relative truth. Now, Jesus, in John chapter 8, he says this. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, I just want to point out three things that Jesus says here. The truth, he says, leads to freedom. Truth will lead to freedom. This free life where we're free from, right, the Bible talks about sin and guilt and enslavement and, you know, those things that we want to change but we can't change. If you want to have that kind of free life, Jesus says, you need truth. 
Right? That's the first thing. The second thing Jesus says is that he talks about the truth. He doesn't just talk about a truth or your version of truth. He talks about a truth that is true no matter what. Right? This is absolute truth here. If you find the truth, he says, it will set you free. The third thing, Jesus says that the source of this truth is if you abide in my word. That's what he says. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so the source of this truth, if you and I want to find it, if Jesus is really telling the truth, is that we need to go to the Bible. Right? We need to go to his word. And if we go to his word and we abide in it, then we will find the truth. And that truth from Jesus will set us free. Right? This is the Bible's absolute truth that it's putting forward. No matter who you are, no matter when in history, you need to go to the Bible, find the truth, and that truth will set you free. Against Jesus' statement or the Bible's statement about absolute truths is society's kind of claim that everything's relative. Right? There's no such thing as you know, a truth that is true for every single person in this world. Right? Society understands truth as being whatever you want it to be. Right? That's kind of the world we live in. Truth is whatever you want it to be as long as it doesn't impose on anyone else. Right? And that's what that video was kind of trying to portray. That oh, you, you can be whoever you want to be. Right? You can be a, a Chinese woman who's seven years old and six foot five. As long as you're not trying to impose that on anyone else. As long as it's not harming anyone else, we'll let you be. Right? You can believe what you want. Right? It's not my place to tell, tell you that you're wrong. And the question is, is that the way life works? Are the big things in life, right, do they work that way? Are you able to just make your own decision about the big things like God or the afterlife or who you are or what you're here for or what the good life is and how we find it? Do we just make our own path and make our own decisions on those things? Right, that's the question. And I want to say no. Living that way is not only unhelpful, but it is also dangerous. The truth is, you see what I did there? The truth is that not all truths are relative. That the big things in life are set in stone. If you think about it, we live every day believing in and depending on these absolute truths. One example is gravity. Right? Gravity is true no matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter how old you are, whatever culture, whatever country you come from, gravity is an absolute truth. You don't get to just make up your mind about gravity. Right? If there's a person who's going to walk off the roof of a house, but they're saying, no, no I don't believe in gravity, gravity's not real, right? I, I can float. Right? My son actually asked me the other day, can I fly? I'm like, no, 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 you can't fly. <laughs> You can't fly. I know you've watched cartoons. You can't fly. Even though he might believe he can. But at the core of his heart, he's wrong. He's absolutely wrong because the truth is always true. Gravity exists. And this is just not unhelpful if you don't believe in gravity. It's dangerous. And when you take an absolute truth and you say, no, it's relative. Everyone can just make up their mind on it. It's dangerous. Right? Because if you live life as if gravity doesn't exist, it's dangerous. 
If you went to your doctor and the doctor said, you know, scientific and empirical evidence says that this is what you have, but I don't feel it. So I'm just going to tell you what I feel. That's dangerous. If your doctor says, you get to make up your mind on what your symptoms are, what, what, what the problem is, right? You just decide. That's dangerous. Right? If we live as if absolute truths are relative, it is dangerous. And that's the same with God. Right? We live in a society that says, you know, don't impose your beliefs on, about God on other people. It's relative and people can make up their minds. Right? But we believe as Christians, because we go to the Bible, that there is absolute truth about God, about the afterlife, about how to live the good life. And to make that relative is not just unhelpful, it is dangerous. Imagine that someone's about to walk off the the roof of a house and you rush in to stop them. And then someone grabs you and says, no, 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 don't impose your belief on them. That person doesn't believe in gravity. It's not your place to tell them they're wrong. That's a kind of, I guess, challenge that we find as Christians because we feel like what we believe is a matter of not just life and death, but eternal life and eternal death. And that's a struggle we feel. We believe this is absolute truth. The thing about absolute truth is that you don't make it up. They are always there. They've always existed. We don't invent absolute truth. We discover it. Isaac Newton didn't invent gravity. Even before we had a name for gravity, even before we understood it, even before we believed in it, gravity was always there. Isaac Newton discovered it, discovered something that had always existed, and now we've got a term for it. That's the same with God, and that's the same with all the big claims that the Bible makes. They've always existed, whether you've believed it in it or not, whether you know about it or not, they've always existed. And you don't just invent your, your mind about God, or invent your mind about what happens after life. You need to discover it. So where are you going to discover it? Right? Jesus says, find it in his words. Where do I come from? Who am I? What's my purpose in life? What is the good life? And how do I get it? All of these things, they have an answer. And Jesus says, They're found in his words. We need to discover these truths, right? Not just make them up. Not just go with what we feel, right? That is what I want to say with this point. Jesus said the truth will set you free. And the truth is not just your version of the truth. He says there is the truth. And we find that in his word. And so if you're new to Kingsway, right, we we go to the Bible, Right? We always go to the Bible when, when I talk, when we meet in small groups, we go to the Bible because we believe that is the source of truth. Right? And that's what I'm going to do today. And I challenge you, right? you need to begin there. What do you believe about the Bible? Do you believe it has truth? Do you believe it's from God? Right? That is where we begin. The second thing I want to talk about then oh, is the abundant life. Right? I've only got two points today. If the Bible, especially what Jesus says, gives us truth, a truth that sets us free, 
then we need to look at some of those things that Jesus says. And as I said at the start, Jesus makes some massive claims. He says that he is the only one who can give you the abundant life, the good life, right? the content life, the full life. He says it is found in him. Jesus in John chapter 10, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you were with us last week, we talked about how Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. Right here in John 10, Jesus is saying, I came to this world, I lived and I died so that you may have life, but not just life, abundant life. In contrast to that, Jesus is then saying that without him, you have life not in abundance, right? An empty life, an incomplete life, a dissatisfied life. You're like a flower in a vase that looks pretty and healthy for the moment, but in reality, inside, it's just slowly dying because it is not connected to its life source. That's what we find when we look around. I don't know if you you say that about yourself, but no matter what we try to chase in this life, it's just not enough. It doesn't satisfy us. It still leaves us feeling empty. We are people, I said, that are trying to get to the same destination, but we say it's relative, right? That's what the world says. Make your own path to this full life. And so some people are chasing money, Some people are chasing possessions. Some people are chasing power. And we all think that that will lead us to the same destination, but it doesn't, right? Because there's only one truth, Jesus says. It's him, right? If God is real and we were made to know him, that means we need him to be satisfied, right? The analogy is that you've got a hole in your heart and you're trying to plug that hole with different shaped like pieces, Right? If you have a child, you know that little game where there's like a square-shaped hole and they're trying to put the triangle in the hole and you're like, foolish child, it's not going to go in no matter how much you try. And we're like children like trying to put these things into our hearts to complete our heart. But it's a God-shaped hole that needs God to fill it. We chase money, but it's not satisfying. We always want more. Sex is disappointing because we're not getting enough from enough people. We seek popularity and we're left at the mercy of other people, right? Chasing likes and comments on social media. We look for beauty. But but the sad truth is that you you get to a certain age and you're fighting a fight you won't win, right? We're all going to get old. We're all going to get more wrinkly, right? We, We can't stop that. And the problem is that rather than realizing these things aren't enough, we think, I don't have enough. So we go back to that same thing that doesn't satisfy us, and we're looking for more, more, more. And that leaves us tired, frustrated, and hopeless. St. Augustine, he said, Our hearts were made for you, O Lord, and they are restless until they rest in you. And I don't know where you are in life. Maybe you can resonate with that. You understand what what St. Augustine is saying. That these things that we chase in life just simply aren't good enough. And that's because you were not made for them. You were made for Jesus. 
We see it all around us. 3,000 years ago, there was a man who had everything. He was a king. He was popular. He was absurdly rich. He had 700 wives, 700 wives and 300 women on the side. Right, I heard one person call him the ancient Hugh Hefner. And we're talking about King Solomon here. He had, he had it all. And yet he says in Ecclesiastes, Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and the striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. He's saying, I did it all, I had it all, I tried it all. But in the end, it was vanity, right? It was empty. It wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't enough. What about another guy? John Mayer, world famous, incredible guitarist. I think he's won like seven Grammys. He's dated many high profile women. I don't know if you know his song. He's got this song called Something's Missing. I feel like it's like a sneak peek into what's going on in his heart. And the chorus of this song says, Something's missing, and I don't know how to fix it. Something's missing, and I don't know what it is. No, I don't know what it is at all. I know what it is. <laughs> right? The Bible says it's Jesus. What about this person, Jim Carrey? Right? I love Jim Carrey. I grew up on his movies. I thought he was the funniest guy, but he, he says some kind of really deep things. Once he said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. One more person, C.S. Lewis. Right? He wrote The Chronicles of Narnia. There are movies now. He's a Christian. He was a Christian. He said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explain, explanation is that I was made for another world. As I mentioned before, the truth will set us free. And the Bible says, Jesus says that the truth is found in his words, right? It's in the Bible. And that he says that he came to give us abundant life. Jesus says this, John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came to give you life to the full, satisfying, complete, right? what your heart has been longing for. Jesus is key to this abundant life. He says that he is the door. Right? He, he is the way that you, you go in and you go out. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. You will be saved from all the struggles in this life. Right? Last week, I talked about that root problem that we all have. The Bible calls sin. We are saved from that root problem and then all the symptoms that flow out of it. And you will go in and out and find pasture. Right? You will find that which will fulfill you. And then he says that you may have life and have it abundantly. 
What the Bible puts forward as absolute truth is that the good life is not something we find our own path to. It is through Jesus. He is the door, he says. Not one of many doors, the door. And we enter through him by faith, by believing in who he is and what he claims to have done. Most importantly on the cross, when he died in our place. Elsewhere, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am not a way, but the way, the truth, the life. Interestingly, he said, the truth will set you free. And here he says, I am the truth. And so you can kind of replace the truth with Jesus and say, Jesus sets you free. Right? And that's exactly what the Bible says. Jesus is the one who sets us free. Again, this is a massive claim here. He's putting himself on a whole different category from kind of every other um, person that has lived this world that has made big claims. Buddha has claimed to speak the truth and teach the way to enlightenment. But Jesus says, no, I don't speak the truth. I am the truth. I don't don't just teach the way. I am the way. I don't point you to to the way. You you come to me, I'll tell you where to go. He says, you need to come to me because I am the way. And if you have me, then you found your way to this life. Muhammad claimed to be a prophet from God, but Jesus makes claims that he does because he says, I am God. And this life that Jesus promises is not just a good life on earth, but it is an eternal life. It's full not just in quality, but in quantity. Not just in quality, like this is the best life that you can have, but in quantity, this life will go on forever. Jesus says in the same chapter, John 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. It's a death-defying life that Jesus is promising here. In John chapter 5, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Again, these are massive claims that Jesus is making here. Only through him can you have the best life that you can have in quality and quantity. And what are you going to do about that claim? Just to summarize, wherever we come, the truth matters. Do you believe in such things as absolute truths? We live by them all the time like gravity. And if you ignore absolute truths or treat them as if they're relative, it's not just unhelpful, it is dangerous. Don't live life as if gravity doesn't exist, but don't live life as if God doesn't exist. What the Bible says is an absolute truth is that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He is the one who can give us the abundant life. Only through him. And we're going to look more and more over the weeks how he does that. But a sneak peek in verse 11, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is how he gives us this abundant life. It's got something to do with his death. 
but his death, the paradox is his death gives us life. But we'll look at that over the coming weeks. And so where are you now? Because again, this is a claim too big to ignore. Last week I said, it's like saying there's a million dollars in the closet over there. You can't just ignore that. If I, if I really genuinely like, meant that and I believe that, you can't just ignore it. You don't want to ignore it. Even if it feels like that's not true. If it is true, you miss out on way too much not to you know, have a little peek into that closet. Jesus' claims are massive. And you might want to ignore it, but there's such big claims that if they are true, you will miss out by ignoring it. C.S. Lewis, again, this guy here. If he wants to pop up. This guy. He said a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. You know, often we say Jesus is a great teacher. You know, he's not God or anything, but he's just a great teacher. He said some good things. And C.S. Lewis says you can't come to that conclusion because the kind of things he says are like kind of massive. He says he is God. He says that he gives life. And so if he's just a man, you can't say he's a moral, great moral teacher. You'd have to say that he's either a lunatic on the level of the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make a choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. Right, C.S. Lewis puts forward what we call a trilemma. There's three choices you can make. And he, he didn't invent this, but he kind of made it famous. And the three choices you and I have when we come to Jesus and the massive claims he makes is that he's either a lunatic, or he's a liar, or he is Lord. So he's either a person that says, I'm God, and I can give you life that will last forever. And you say, no, you're a lunatic. You have no idea what you're saying. You believe what you're saying, but you're, you, there's no way it's true. So you must be mad. Right? That's one claim. And yet nothing else in the life of Jesus portrays that he is a lunatic. Everything he says is deep and rich. Right? He speaks as if, a, as if he is wise and really knows the truth. The second conclusion you can come to then is that he's not a lunatic. He's a liar. Right? He's not mad. He knows what he's saying, but he's out there to deceive us. And so he's pretending he's God and saying these great stories, but he's lying to all of us. Right? That's the second conclusion that you can come to. And yet again, nothing in the life of Jesus makes that kind of possible. There's no um, area of his character that sh throws shade on him. Right? Everything about him is righteous. And his disciples were able to believe in him so much that they would live the rest of their lives talking about Jesus and were willing to die gruesome deaths about the things that he had said. But if you're going to land on the fact that he is not a lunatic and that he's not a liar, C.S. Lewis is saying that the only option you have left is that he is saying what he's saying and he knows what he's saying, and those things are true. If he's not a lunatic and he's not a liar, the only other option is that he is Lord. That he really is God the Son. That he really did to give us 
abundant life. That through him, you can really find satisfaction in this world. And not just in this world, but in the world to come. And so where are you now? What do you think about Jesus? This is the absolute truth, the massive claim that the Bible puts forward to us. What is your conclusion about Jesus? Now there's a lot more to talk about Jesus and we're going to go deeper over the next uh, four weeks. But I just want to leave us with that question. Do you think Jesus is a lunatic? Do you think he's a liar? And if it's not those two, think about it, think about it then the only natural and logical conclusion is that he is Lord. There actually is a fourth possibility, but I want to talk about that next week. Let's just pretend there's only three. Lunatic, liar, or Lord. Normally at this time, we do a group prayer. We kind of go into huddles and we briefly pray. And if that scares you, you don't have to pray. Someone who is a regular here would pray for, for you. It's an opportunity to get to know each other. Uh, but because of COVID and, you know, the distance that we're trying to make, uh, we're not going to do that. Right? But I just wanted to let you know that's what we normally do. I'm going to invite us to pray. So just bow your head with me, close your eyes. I want to spend a minute just reflecting on the things that, you know, we found in the Bible. And I challenge you again, what the Bible says and what Jesus says is an absolute truth. A truth that is true for you, no matter who you are, no matter where you live. No matter where you come from, no matter what country or culture you're from, this is the truth that the abundant life is only found in Him. Right? What do you say about that? What do you feel about that? Is Jesus a lunatic? Is He a liar? Or is He Lord? I want you to think about that and, and if you want to, kind of talk to God about it. That's what prayer is. We're talking to God. God, I'm not sure. I have doubts. Oh God, you, uh, there's something here and, and if you're really there, I, I ask that you would, you would help me to understand better, help me to believe, help me to you know, come to that place where I might clearly see who Jesus is. Or if you are a Christian, why don't you give thanks that Jesus is Lord and that he has shown that to you. But let's spend about 30 seconds just in prayer and then I'm going to pray for us and then we'll sing a song. Let's pray. Let's go. I just want to come see you. Help us. Help us to have clarity in who you are.